we're going to continue now in our time of worship through opening up the Word of God. And we're in this series of teaching throughout the fall in the book of Philippians. Estamos en unas enseñanzas en el libro de Filipenses durante el otoño. And so go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Um, and you can go ahead and follow along in your Bibles or you can hear God's word read aloud. It will also be on the projector screen and it will be on the, um, on the projector right at for those watching online as well. Um, Philippians 2 verses 1 to 11. Filipenses 2 versículos 1 al 11. I'll be reading in English, but you can go ahead and follow along in your heart language as well. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your precious, precious word, Lord, that is always with us, God. Your precious word that never leaves us lacking, God, and that always has something new to be able to share with us, God. And Lord, I just pray that today you would speak your truth, you would speak a new truth, God, to us. So God, teach us this new way to be human, this Jesus way, Lord. Teach us the power of humility. Help us to let go of our old ways and teach us your ways today, God. We pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, we're in this series in the book of Philippians together. And in Philippians, we started it last week. If you missed it, go ahead and go back to that so you can 
catch up on some of the background and context of Philippians. But Philippians really overflows with certain themes. Some of the themes of joy and thanksgiving, gratitude, friendship, and support, that all is all in the book of Philippians. Paul knows that the people that he's writing to, the Philippian church, they were experiencing a lot of pain and a lot of hardship. It seemed like it was challenge after challenge and opposition after opposition. And these are the people, this is the context in which the book of Philippians is being written to. He knows that the people he is writing to are experiencing all of that. And he himself is also experiencing setbacks and discouragement and difficulties. In fact, Paul writes this letter from prison in some of his final days. He appeals to his own life. He tells the Philippian Christians to actually look to him as an example of how to respond to hardship with joy. And how in the midst of difficulties, Paul boldly claims that Jesus is Lord. Just as Danny was saying even earlier today, that that three-word phrase changes everything. That Jesus is Lord. Because if Jesus is Lord, that means that Jesus is Lord over my fear. Jesus is Lord over our hardship. And Jesus is Lord over any given challenge that we may face. And so Jesus being Lord changes everything. Our mindset, our, our heart, our posture can all change just because of that three-word phrase, Jesus is Lord. In chapter 1, verse 14, Paul even says that because Jesus is Lord, you and I can proclaim and live the gospel without fear. We can respond to hardship with joy and confidence. Paul is responding to the way of Jesus. And as we're learning in this new sermon series, the way of Jesus is a new way to be human. A new way to be human in God's kingdom, by God's standards. Because you and I already know the old ways. We know the inherent ways. We know the instinctual ways of being human. That's what we do on a natural level. When we're afraid of something, we give in to fear. When we feel beat up, we give in to defeat. But in the new creation, in the new way of Jesus, the Lord Jesus sees you in your pain, he sees you in your defeat, in your hardship, and he says to you, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with the good work that I began in you, and I will bring it into completion. In this new way, this Jesus way, anything can be turned for the good of those who love him. That hard thing, that will not be the last thing in your life. That thing you're embarrassed about or ashamed about, that will not be the defining thing in your life because there is a new way, there is a better way to be human when we abide and trust in Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about here in Philippians. A new way where Jesus is our model and our guide for life, 
for ministry, for every single aspect of our lives, from our internal lives to our external lives as well. So today we're going to be talking about what the the theme of chapter 2 is, which is the power of humility. Humility is actually the way that Jesus chose to display his power, and he lived out his life through humility. And in fact, if we are followers of Jesus and we want to be reflectors of Jesus, then the, the top quality in reflecting Jesus will be humility. Jesus lived a life where he was a matter of fact, F-A-C-T kind of Lord, where he was faithful, he was approachable, he was committed, and he was teachable. Faithful, approachable, committed, and teachable. For you and I to reflect Jesus, that's part of how we need to taste. That's part of how we are called to show up. And all of those, um, all, all of those aspects, all of those characteristics are actually fruits of humility. Now, the church that chooses to bless each other is a church that is united. And we can take a step toward church unity when we humble ourselves to each other. When we yield to one another. The Apostle Paul in Scripture here calls for this unity. It's a theme throughout the entire New Testament. And a very practical step that we're given toward unity is humility. That's what we see here in Philippians 2. Imitate Christ through his humility. Be humble before God. Be humble before others. Humility is a practical step toward unity because humility frees us to see the world rightly. Humility frees us to see ourselves rightly and to see others rightly. We can view God as God truly is through the lens of humility when we realize that God is God and we are not. That God is the one who is truly powerful, truly sovereign, the one who can be trusted and the only one who can be praised. Humility also eliminates all of our attempts to minimize God while elevating ourselves. Humility puts us in check and puts us in our place. Humility also reshapes our thinking about other people. Because without humility, all we're going to continue to just be obsessed with categorizing and comparing ourselves with others or putting people in certain categories. And when we put people in categories, when we just reduce them to a one layer or a single story, that's actually dehumanizing each other. That's not viewing each other as men and women, as people created in the image of God. Humility calls us to learn to let go and to trust God to be God. Humility leads to teachability. And teachability leads to wisdom. Currently in my own devotional time, I'm going through the book of Ecclesiastes. And I've loved Ecclesiastes all these years that I've, I've, uh, I've, I've been following the Lord 
but there was this verse that just jumped out to me this last week as I was in Ecclesiastes in my own time of prayer and devotion. According to the book of Ecclesiastes, um, just remembering this concept, right, that humility leads to wisdom, but according to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 9, verse 16, it says this, wisdom is better than strength. Strength comes and goes, but wisdom is better than strength, according to perhaps to this book of, of wisdom literature in the scriptures. To be teachable, that's what it means to be humble. But then in Ecclesiastes, we also see examples of the foolish person. And the foolish person is an unteachable person, an arrogant person, a, a person whose ways seem right to themselves. Friends, brothers, sisters, the first step toward unity in Christ is humility, is yielding to one another. That's why so many Christian thinkers and, uh, and, and theologians throughout the centuries, including my, one of my all-time favorite Christian thinkers, St. Augustine, he's way old school, way back in the day, but he was once asked, what would you say um, are the, are the, is the top most Christ-like characteristic that a Christian can display? And he responded without any hesitancy. I think I've shared this with some of you before, but he responded and said, I can tell you the top three Christ-like qualities in a Christian, and they are humility, humility, humility. If we want to draw near to Christ, if we want to imitate and reflect Christ, a practical first step in that is humility. In fact, the gospel is the story of God's humility. It's the story of how God humbles himself to become like us so that we could be united with God and with one another. Learning from one another and yielding to one another. That's what's actually going to lead to strength, to unity, to continued growth, to maturity, to church health. It's a, it's a, and, and it's very interesting because we can see a very practical example of humility in something we do every single day, which is many of us to get here, we drove, right? Many of us drove, many of us uh, take our cars to get to different destinations every single day. And there's a, a very important sign that sometimes in California or Tulare County gets ignored, but it, it is a triangle-like sign uh, with red and white, and it says yield, yield to one another. You know, there's a roundabout that I, that I see every single day when I'm taking my kids to school. And when you're, when you're coming in, and, uh, and another car is coming, but you have a sign that says yield, what does that mean? It means a let the other car pass, right? I know in Tulare County, we, we wouldn't think so, right? You think it's a race or whatever it is. <laughs> but yield actually means let the other car pass. You stop, let the other one pass. But what happens when we don't yield? We crash. Someone gets hurt. Some property gets damaged. 
In fact, uh, last week I was over in one of the parking lots uh, here in Visalia and I got to see it with my very own eyes. Two were not yielding to each other, they both wanted to impose their way and crash. Thankfully they were both okay. I was going to get involved but then I thought, you know what, I need to be humble and mind my own business, let them figure it out. They were both fine though. But when we don't yield to one another, we crash. Someone gets hurt. Property gets damaged. Feelings, emotions. Part of wisdom is learning to yield. Part of wisdom is learning to ask. When you need help, ask. When you don't know something, ask. And that's a piece of advice I'll pass on to you. Anyone that's uh, been friends with me or learned from my own mistakes or uh, worked with me before, that's a very practical thing that I've shared in the past before too. And that will save you a lot of pain and hardship in this life. If you don't know something, there is a solution. Ask. When you don't know, ask. Because asking is a form of humility. Not only is humility better than strength, according to, to, to the scriptures, but humility is also precious in the sight of God. Humbling ourselves before God, and at the proper time, he will exalt us. Yeah, we, we have a little critter walking around there. It's okay. Yeah. We'll call pest control during the week. Um, Humility is precious in the sight of God. But on the other hand, arrogance is something detestable. Arrogance is, and pride is something that stinks before God, something that God highly dislikes and even hates and detests. Pride comes before the fall. As it says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So friends, brothers, sisters, the first step toward experiencing the power of God and the wisdom of God and the strength of God is humility. So if that's the key, if humility is the key to this new way of being human, to this new way of being in Christ, then what happens? What causes this tribalistic arrogance and pride this tribalism that's obviously in the world, but let's be honest, it's also amongst churches as well. That just seems to be the game these days, right? A polarized and divided country, polarized and divided churches over things that will not matter in eternity. But why? Why is that the go-to? Why do we go to that at times? that tribalistic mentality? Well, perhaps if humility is the key to enter into this new way of being human, then maybe we need to let go of the old way, which is pride, pride and anxiety. Pride leads to anxiety, and that's a tool that disconnects us from God and from other people. So what are the roots of pride and anxiety of arrogance. Arrogance is really trying to play God. 
arrogance is thinking that I need to take over the situation or arrogance is thinking that reality is only limited to what I think or what I know. Arrogance is a refusal to believe that God is God and I am not. Arrogance is a failure to realize that each person's mind is simply like trying to fit the ocean in a cup. Arrogance fails to realize that there are different perspectives of the same reality. Want me to prove it to you? Right now, I have a perspective of this room that none of you have. But each one of you has a perspective that I don't. So guess what? If I want to learn your perspective, then I need to yield. I can't just expect you to see things from the front of the stage. Arrogance is a failure to realize that we have limitations and that God is so much greater than arrogance sometimes wants to admit or the unteachable person sometimes wants to admit. Arrogance then actually leads to fear and manipulation. And then, er- then manipulation le- then a- leads to, to, uh, to hurt. And then guess what? Hurt multiplies. Some of you have heard, heard me say this before. If you've ever been in a pastoral care meeting with me or, uh, or we've shared here on Sunday, hurt multiplies because hurt people hurt people. It's going to continue as a vicious cycle until someone yields, until someone humbles themselves. And God I love how God honors humility. It's First uh, Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So when we humble ourselves, then we'll be exalted. But hurt multiplies in that way. But then this new way, this new way of Jesus of yielding to humility, when we don't know something, we can seek help. You know, according to this new way of the kingdom of God, seeking help is a sign of humility and of strength. The wise person seeks help. The wise person seeks wisdom. And the fool's way seems right to himself or to herself. I'm really looking forward to, uh, in the fall, I'm going to start this book, and I I plan to share it with some leaders and different folks here at, at Imago, but it's called... Um, the uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. And it talks about the 10 signs of unhealthy spirituality. And one of those is a refusal to ask for help, to run away from God in the name of God. (laughs) But sometimes God is drawing us close to him in our weakness, in our vulnerability, in the moments where we need help. Arrogance leads to making enemies, to making enemies of our neighbors, of our brothers and sisters. And in fact, when we make enemies, we need to realize that there's something more happening than just that physical relationship. That's what the book of Romans calls principalities. There are spiritual forces, spiritual powers when we make enemies with another human being. The actual human opponent is in fact not even the real enemy. But they are actually broken sinners in desperate need of God's grace just like you and me. And guess what? That enemy 
is actually probably wanting the same thing that you want, but just in a different way. They're just as fearful, just as insecure, just as much wanting security. The actual human opponents are not the real enemy. They are desperate sinners in need of God's grace, just like you and me. The gospel, the way of Jesus, is a new way, a different way, a peculiar way, a weird way that is rooted and grounded in Christ. It's a new way that responds to difference with gentleness, with kindness, and respect. Scripture urges that whatever frustration, whatever anxiety we feel toward another person, that we give that to God because he cares for us. He cares for us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. The truth is that categories exist. Yeah, there are differences between, between us, between different people, and that's okay. And you know what? God seems to be okay with that too. God loves that richness of difference and diversity as well, but we can be united without being uniform necessarily. Our value and our identity comes from being created in the image of God and having our purpose in the image of Christ. Our unity is not in what we call ourselves. That includes whatever we call ourselves professionally, or listen to this, whatever we call ourselves politically, our unity is not based on that. It's based on who God calls us to be. He calls us children of God. He calls you his daughter. He calls you his son. Children of God through faith, you and I, the family of God, the church, united in Christ. We're united in a mission to witness to a new way of being human. That seems so strange in 2021, where I can humble myself and choose to love my sister or brother who does not immediately look like me or think like me or vote like me or act like me or agree with me. In the new way to be human, in the new way of Jesus, Paul here in Philippians is reminding us that it is possible. It is possible to love my sister or brother even if we don't agree on everything. We can both be united in Christ. And in doing so, we're seeking the, the peace and the flourishing of all. Again, and I've said this before here at Imago, what unites us is actually not our best ideas or our worst ideas. What unites us is not our best selves or our worst selves, but you and I are united because we follow a crucified and a resurrected Savior. That's who unites us. That's what unites us. I wish it was more flashy and glamorous than that, but that's what unites us, a crucified and resurrected Savior, a Savior who humbled himself to the point of the cross, who used the power of humility to teach us a new way to live by his Spirit. So how about you?
we're all doing a heart check today. We're all looking in and asking the hard questions and asking God to reveal what he needs to reveal to us today. How about you? How are you using your power? How are you using the gifts God has given you? Are you using the power God has given you with humility? Or for your own purposes? Are you a blessing to others in their suffering, in their challenging? Are you a channel, a vehicle of God's grace, of compassion to others? Do others experience the love of God through you? Or is your focus on just your own life, your own circumstances? The passage here in Philippians 2, which is one of the oldest passages in the New Testament, is a passage that reminds us not to do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Because when we are united in Christ, we share in his spirit. We have one spirit. Then there is no room for such behavior anymore of vain conceit, of conceitedness, right? Conceitedness is the ism disease, the I, self, me disease. We're called to die to that. I, self, me is no longer the way that we function. Instead, out of the gospel, there's an overflow. There's a new attitude where we can consider each other joyfully. We can look out for, our, for not just our own interests, but the interests of our sisters and brothers in Christ. So how about you? Are you someone who actually promotes this bond of unity between the people of God? Or do you just push your own way? Is it just my way or the highway? How's that going for you? Well, it may work for a while, but eventually it won't. Someone's going to get hurt. Do you move toward others to bless them? Or do you just view others for your own benefit? Are you approachable? Do you approach others as well to close that gap? That's also a form of humility. When was the last time that you had to sacrifice your own desire and your self-interest for the sake of others? And especially for the sake of God's family, of God's community. Is that something that you take pride in or is it a part of your character or lifestyle? That's what we're doing today. We're looking in. We're looking internally. And it's okay if we're not perfect in those areas. The first step in humility is honesty, actually. Because here's the truth. We all struggle in these areas. We all struggle with pride. We all struggle with insecurity, and we all struggle with selfishness. But God, through his grace, through his spirit, he'll do the work when we yield to him, when we let go of the old way that we know, which is pride. God instead invites us into this new way marked by humility. Jesus is the greatest example of humility and sacrifice. He counted us significant enough to die for us on the cross. 
The cross is really the embodiment of the power of humility. Jesus didn't lay down his life for us because we deserved it. No, but his sacrifice was because he was willing to. He humbled himself to lay down his life for us. We've said this before at Imago, but part of understanding grace, the grace of God is understanding what God chooses to do and who God chooses to be. And friends, brothers, sisters, the God that we worship chooses to be humble. So as we conclude, let's read once again this passage from Philippians 2, verses 5 to 9 to 8, reminding us of the humility of God. In your relationship with one another, and we can get the passage up there too, please. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. When what Jesus did sinks in, really, into our hearts, it drives out selfish ambition. It drives out that empty glory that we're seeking for ourselves. Because we realize, how can I glory in myself when the king of glory died in my place? The gospel helps us to understand that the way to greatness in God's kingdom is not through pride, it's through humility. To serve God and to be of service to others. To love and serve the least of these. To live out greatness and power in the kingdom of God, then you have to humble yourself. Because humility is the key to enter into the kingdom of God. Humility is God's way of connecting us with reality. Because the reality is that you and I have every reason to be humble. You don't think so? If you don't think so, if you haven't been humbled in your life, just wait. Life and reality will find a way to humble you. Amen? Friends, brothers, sisters, God's word is true. Jesus' words are true. When he reminds us, he declares that humility is the power in the kingdom of God. He said it himself. The first will be last, and the last will be first. And don't just take my word for it. Hear Jesus declare this eternal truth. Write the verse down. Matthew 20, verse 16, where our Lord Jesus says and declares... So the last will be first, and the first will be last. May we humble ourselves and experience the new way, the Jesus way of real strength and kingdom power through Christ-like humility. Amen. Let's pray.
God, we thank you that it is through the living person and work of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you offer a new way, a new way to live, a new way to be human, God. You became sin who knew no sin, Lord, that we might become your righteousness, Lord. Thank you, God. It's a mystery that the way to power is through humility. That when we decrease, you increase in our lives, God. We follow, Lord, and we're united by a crucified and resurrected Savior, Lord, who humbled himself to the cross. Who being in nature, in very nature, God did not count it as something to boast by, Lord. Help us, Lord, to die to what we need to die to today. Help us to die to the old way of pride, of arrogance, of self-preservation, of fear. Lord, do what you need to do. Do that spiritual heart surgery on us, God. Do that spiritual mental surgery. resurrected to this new way of being human in a new creation with the risen Lord. The one who teaches us, God, that the key to Christ-like power is humility. Thank you, Lord, that we are eternally united in you because of who you are and what you've done. Mysterious Lord, but we rejoice in that today. Help us to see others for who they really are. Help us to see ourselves for who we really are, God, even when we beat up on ourselves too much. That's a lack of humility, too. Humility is not humiliation. Humility is learning to see God and reality rightly. Help us to see others as they are. ourselves as we really are, God, loved by you. Grace and mercy is extended by you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to live into this new reality. On our own, we can. So, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you do it? In and through us, we pray. In the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you guys to stay.